Warning, this episode contains some strong language. Listener discretion is advised. to Tales from the Trunk, publishing the stories that did make it. I'm Hilary B. Besniak's. Listeners, I am super excited today to do something a little bit different because while my guest Sean Markey has in fact written things in the past, right now his main gig uh, in this writing space that we occupy is as publisher of the Deadlands. Sean Markey, welcome to the podcast. Hey, thanks for having me. Absolutely. Uh, I have been a fan of the Deadlands since your, uh, since it was announced, pretty much. Uh, and it's very exciting to, to talk to you. Of course, uh, the Deadlands is the work of, of a decent-sized team, including, of course, uh, Elise Catherine Tobler and... Uh, Laura Blackwell, who listeners may also know as the host of Story Hour every week, uh, as your copy editor. Uh, Just a fantastic project that I can't say enough nice things about. But to start off, can you give our listeners who might not know about The Deadlands a bit of a pitch? Yeah, so it's a magazine that publishes fiction, nonfiction, and poetry, and all around the theme of death. So we get a lot of stories where someone gets murdered and that's not really the vibes. <laughs> no, like, no. A, a murder can happen, but it's not about death. So it's like, you know, exploring various like uh, after death mythologies or exploring grief or how death impacts a life. Um, mm-hmm. it, it's, it's mostly speculative fiction, but I mean, we do publish some literary as well. It doesn't have to be speculative. Yeah. Yeah, and it's, I mean, I, as as something of a connoisseur of stories about grief, I think it's, uh, like, has carved out a really great little niche in our broader specfic world. Right on, yeah, I'm, I'm happy to hear that. So, uh, in in lieu of a reading today, I was wondering if you could talk us through, uh, just to start a little bit, uh what it's like to be the publisher of a magazine? Um, <laughs> I mean, the, the obvious answer is it's expensive. Um, <laughs> it, it's really expensive, uh, which is kind of new going in. Um, you know, like I, I do my best to, to pay the team something. And mm-hmm. uh, we, we started off at 10 cents per word for fiction. And that's where we're at now. Um so that that's my first answer but um i mean it's it's really incredible i have wanted to be a publisher for a long time uh, mm-hmm. as you mentioned i wrote some stories back in the like mid 2000s i think i was trying to get some stuff published and yep. i got a couple pieces published but it wasn't really my thing um i i do a lot in the like marketing world for my day job a lot of site mm-hmm. creation seo content stuff like that so 
uh, I, I've published a lot of stupid things on, <laughs> you know, marketing websites or client sites or whatever, but it, it's really, uh, it's a lot more fulfilling to publish, you know, really great creative work that explores the topic. For sure. Yeah. I, I have worked in and around publishing in various ways. Uh, for our listeners who haven't, kind of what is the publisher's role as opposed to the editor, as opposed to the copy editor, as opposed to any of the other roles within a magazine? Mm -hmm. um, I think it's having just, I mean, it's kind of like the CEO of the magazine, like having the larger vision, like what's our voice, what's our aesthetic, how mm -hmm. do we present ourselves uh, to the world consistently? Um, so a, a lot of, a lot of that high level stuff. And, and it's also like, you know, making sure, like, make sure everybody gets paid on time and uh, mm -hmm. making sure that the, you know, the guidelines are you know, trying to be inclusive and, like, really communicate the uh, mission we're, we're focused mm -hmm. on. Yeah. Yeah, and that's something that, like, uh, I think has been, you know, you, you talked about having some things published in the mid-2000s, which is also when I started writing and trying to get published and like the way that things have changed in the last, you know, almost 20 years now in that space is really, um, is really remarkable. And I know takes a lot of, um, a lot of really hard and really intentional work. Mm -hmm. Um, and it's also something, uh, where like, the statement of like our guidelines and our mission are meant to be are really meant to represent who we are and not just like you know the 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 way to make a, a small fortune in publishing is to start out with a large fortune mm -hmm. um yeah. but like you know it it is uh it takes a lot of work to do something with integrity and like actually be uh be really intentional around that as opposed to like you know not not to say that being a phony publishing a magazine would be any easier but like <laughs> it i i think it would take a mental toll to be a phony in that way yeah for for sure and and i mean really like just the amount of work that that's gone into publishing. I think we're about to publish issue 31 this mm -hmm. November. Um, like, like just, just putting everything out there, like being consistent and it's, uh, it, it, it's a lot of work to do, you know, like you're saying to be a phony, like for something that you don't believe in, like you can't mm -hmm. just be like, eh, I'll do a magazine, I guess you <laughs> like have to go all in on that. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, like, Absolutely. Same thing with podcasting of like, you know, I, I would have quit this a long time ago if it wasn't something that like stood for, for what I was doing. Cause it's a lot of work for, mm -hmm. you know, and I mean, I'm not trying to make money at this, but like for no monetary return. Mm -hmm. Yeah, for sure. D definitely have been looking for break even with, uh, you know, publishing the deadlines and we're, we're getting mm -hmm. closer. Um, yeah, which and is then, really encouraging. 
Yes, um, it's it's great. You know, it's it's definitely not a short journey to get there. Mm -hmm. um, and then I, I guess I mean we haven't talked about Psychopomp, but that's like my indie press. Um, mm -hmm. We're trying to do publish novellas and books, but like trying to go a little bit past break even for that long yeah. term. Yeah, one hopes. One hopes. <laughs> yeah, and and we'll uh, we'll circle back around to that in a little bit. Um, so obviously, uh, at least for people who don't know, uh, was formerly the editor at Shimmer, amazing magazine we all love, uh, that ended up closing up shop a few years ago. Uh, what was kind of the process that brought you and her together to form the Deadlands? Um, I'm not sure if you know this, your audience may not, but um, I, I worked at Shimmer. I did some of the web stuff for them. Uh -huh. um, I, I'm also married to the publisher, Beth Wodzinski. There um, we go. <laughs> yeah, so I was I was pretty involved, at least maybe unofficially. Um, mm -hmm. But I that's how I knew Elise, basically through her working with Beth. And then when it was time to start a magazine, like, I mean, you know, this Elise is the best. So she was yeah. the first person I reached out to, and and luckily she was all in on it. Yeah, yeah. Uh, readers do go and immediately read like any story out of any issue of Shimmer. Like just a fantastic. The it is it is both my favorite and like the most heartbreaking place that I've ever gotten just such an almost yes from on a story <laughs> where it was just like, oh, this would have been, I I think Elise said we would have bought this if it weren't Flash. Like that was ultimately uh, the thing, which is completely fair. Like that wasn't Shimmer's thing. Mm -hmm. um, yep. But like any, any time I write a story in Shimmer and any time I read a story in, in the Deadlands, I'm like, the aesthetic there is just so strong. Um, and a lot of that's Elise. That's just, yeah. She's the bridge between those two. Yeah. Um, but at the same time, like you said, like the, the being the CEO of the magazine, like ultimately it is, uh, it, it is a close working relationship between the editor and the publisher, but it's also like, this is, you know, this is your baby. Mm -hmm. yeah really again like really incredible uh incredible magazine incredible work and and before we go i will absolutely be asking for some uh public recs for uh some works to check out from folks uh i'd love to circle back a little bit to what you said earlier about you had published some stories, but it had never really been your thing. Like what for you, what is the draw? Cause like, I know for me kind of what the draw has been for doing this podcast. Um, what was, what was the like big draw for you into, I want to start a magazine? Yeah, that's, that's a solid question. Um, I, I guess I like, 
So, so one answer, I don't know, sounds like, you know, I had my PR team say it or put it together, <laughs> but like, I, I really like the idea of creating a platform that people can like make art at, you know what I mean? Mm -hmm. um, I mean, I, I think the, uh, the idea to me of, of paying people to make art that I can put on this thing I made is, that's an incredible idea. Um, yeah. So that, 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 that carries me through a lot of, you know, when the times are rough or when like works really hard or for working at 1am or something like, like that, that really, for me counts for a lot. Mm -hmm. um, and, and I just also love the idea of like, just creating a brand. It's almost like, like a, a, a way to perform art, mm -hmm. you know, but kind of mixed with commerce and, and like in a different medium. Um, I just like the idea of like, you know, creating this death magazine, like there wasn't one before now there is. And it like, it's, it, it, I don't know if, if it stands for something, but people know what to expect from it mm -hmm. uh, after 30 issues, which yeah. is awesome. Yeah. Yeah. For real. And that's something, um, I, I have joked in the past that I would really like to start a magazine, but that I would, uh, uh the, the joke before I did any amount of slushing or other first reading was I'd just go broke because I'd want to buy too many stories. Like, I'd want to buy everything that came in. And now I know that I probably wouldn't want to buy everything that came in by a long shot. But uh, it's still, like, the appeal there of of making this platform for other people to, uh, of, of giving people a platform and having a specific mission about it. That's really, um, yeah, it's really, I, I 100% get where you're coming from on that. And that's something that, uh, a couple of years ago, uh, my friend Annalie Flowerhorn and I got a chance to edit an insert for uh, Friends Journal, which is not a speculative fiction magazine or a fiction magazine, typically. It is a nonfiction magazine about Quakerism. But uh, we, over the course of several years, uh, bullied the publisher into letting us have <laughs> a uh, an insert of Quaker speculative fiction uh which has since come around again uh, and only recently had a story published in a follow-up of that. Uh, but it was, it was one of those things where it was like, oh yeah, like this is, it was a lot of work, especially on top of like a day job and everything, as I'm sure you have that experience. And like, I have that experience with the podcast, but it was also like, Oh yeah, this is like this scratches that particular itch. Nice. Yeah. Um which, you know, the, I think that really uh segues nicely into uh psychopomp and why psychopomp uh is in some ways uh I imagine is the same 
way of giving giving people a platform with a specific mission involved there. Can you talk a little bit about uh, Psychopomp and the first novella that you'll be publishing out in 2024 by Christopher Bardak? Mm-hmm. Yeah, so um, I, I guess... For a, for many years, when I thought about publishing, it was always as a book publisher. Like that's mm-hmm. where that's where I wanted to be. Um, but that is not a great place to start, I think, unless mm-hmm. you have fifteen years of industry experience <laughs> or like a really you know deep pocketbook, um, mm-hmm. which I didn't quite have. So you know, I started with the magazine, and then when that uh, had a lot of traction, was going well. Then we started to talk about, um, you know, putting together a press uh, and and you know keeping with the the whole death vibe I got going on. Um, mm-hmm. We we went for Psychopomp. Yeah, that's at psychopomp.com. So I got the got the .com domain name, which wasn't cheap at all. Um, <laughs> and and yeah, it it just I, I guess it was important to like to try and have a a decent brand it, you know mm-hmm. like i said i'm day job business guy so like a domain name is important and a brand name is important um I, and 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 like with with the deadlands like i started at like i said 10 cents per word right out the gate like i w- kind of wanted people to take us seriously like hey we're we're here to play for real um mm-hmm. and so similar with the with the press um building it on on that domain um and then going out i reached out to christopher barzak who is a favorite writer of mine i've been a mm-hmm. fan for a long time um and i was like i'm just gonna send this cold outreach email I, i'm okay with rejection um and and i said hey you know we're we're gonna be publishing a, a set of novellas and we want you to be like the lead off author um i'm a huge mm-hmm. fan of your work and and uh, we want to kind of cut our teeth on that so yeah, that that's how that's came about. And his first novella—it's—it's it's really his first novella that he's published, but it's called *A Voice Calling*. Oh, fantastic! Um, and it'll be out on March nineteenth, twenty twenty-four. Fantastic! Yeah, that's um, it's it's fun that you say you know, uh, I'm okay with rejection. The the tagline of this show is "Don't self-reject," uh, and. Mm-hmm that's very um that's that's the approach that you know it's taken me five seasons to learn how to take sometimes of uh just just a couple of weeks ago we had martha wells on the show and that was you know i'm gonna say that's a big get like like i yeah and it was very much just a like i reached out to her publicist i didn't even reach out to her publicist at tour i reached out to the publicist i already knew at tour and said hey i want to know if martha would be interested in this uh if you could put me in touch with her publicist uh to set something like this up uh and kind of like you know, at, at that point, knowing that that's one of the ways that uh, that working with Tor is, is just like reach out to the publicists because they have, uh, you know, they have a vested interest in making sure that their book gets out to 
the right mm-hmm. audience. Uh, but like that, that's very much, you know, you, you got to shoot your shot. Right. And like, yep. if you don't, if you don't reach out to your faves and see like, Oh, Hey, are they, you know, would they be willing to, to throw their hat in the ring with me on this? Like, they're never going to if you don't ask. If you do ask, the worst they can say is no. Yeah. It, it's an uncomfortable feeling to be rejected for sure, but, yep. uh, you know, you, you get it in your face 500 times and then it's like, yeah. eh, whatever. I don't care. Yeah. I'll ask anything of anybody. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, and that's um, that's definitely a, a lesson that it takes a long time to, to kind of learn and I imagine it's something that, uh, you know, feels feels both familiar and, like, kind of alien to be doing it from the perspective of a publisher, you know, rather than, you know, uh, ra- rather than submitting, you know, submitting words to a magazine, you're submitting to an author, hey, do you want can can we buy your words? Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's a whole different thing. But um, luckily, I you know I'm one one for one on that, <laughs> on that front. Um, so yeah, it worked out. We're very excited. Yeah, uh, and can you talk a little bit more about psychopomp.com in terms of some of the other essays and work that you've been publishing? Yep, um, we started slow, um, and then. Finally, I had enough uh, capital to kind of uh-huh. save up to to be like, all right, we're going to bring on a couple people. So we brought on some great writers, uh, Meg Ellison, Maria Haskins. Oh, hell yeah. Yeah. Um, uh, Vanessa Mackey. Never said her name out loud. Her <laughs> last name out loud. Um, Happens. Um, and, and A.R. Arthur, uh, Avra, like just a, a bunch of really cool writers. Mm-hmm. Uh, writing about death, deathy topics. Um, yeah, you know, just just a whole like gothy, deathy vibe is what we write about there. Yeah, uh, which you know, it is uh, it is now into the darkest months of the year. So I'm really glad to, you know, we could we couldn't have you on in October, but we can have you on now to mm-hmm. to bring some of that darkness around, and that's you know. Frankly, something that's been uh, very close to my heart for a long, long time. Uh, in terms of, uh, in in terms of of just being a you know a spooky little guy, pretty much. <laughs> right on. Um, can you? So you know, we have Psychopomp, we have the Deadlands. Uh, I'd love to hear because this is always like anytime I have somebody who's, you know, spooky or horror or anything like that, I always um because there are so many so many people who I've had conversations with who just like don't understand the draw towards horror or the dark or the macabre or anything like that. Uh I'd love to hear sort of your personal pitch on why the spooky shit is great. Uh, I don't, I don't know if I've ever like thought about that specifically. So I might have kind of a crap answer, but um, <laughs> that's fine. I mean, 
you know, I, this is my first interview, so uh, I got I to gotta get it together. Um, I, I guess I, I've always been just kind of, I don't know, drawn to the idea of thinking about death, even mm-hmm. when I was just a little weirdo kid. Um, and it, it's, I don't know, kind of always vibed with like the, uh, like non-mainstream way to go, you know, in, in mm-hmm. the music I liked, um, in the movies I like to watch, you know, um, I, and I, I guess maybe there's something you can like pull out of that, but yeah, just, just always liked kind of not on the beaten path stuff. Mm-hmm. That, that's what speaks to me. Um, yeah. Yeah, for sure. And I mean, to, to bring that around to like, the Deadlands, like, you know, you said right up front, this isn't, there can be murders in the story, but this isn't like, this is a magazine, this is a uh, a mission about death, not about dying. Or, mm-hmm. I mean, you know, some, some of the stories are about dying, but like, it is it is about the state of death, not the act of it in like an mm-hmm. active way where that's really um i mean it is it is something that's off the beaten path and it's something also that's like uh i think deeply uncomfortable for a lot of people to face um and you know i i think for some folks it can be very it can be a place where there can be some projection in terms of like, Oh, why are you into, why are you into those things? Like, Oh, there's something wrong with you there, which is like, I mean, you know, every, everybody's got some things going on, but, uh, I think when you actually look at it, like the stories that are getting published in there, what the, what the magazine is talking about and what folks are talking about on, on psychopomp is like, comes down to talking about humanity really more than anything else like Mm -hmm. you know yeah uh, there's it's it's a a topic with a a lot of you know a lot of content to mine like there's mm -hmm. just everyone's dealt with it in one way or another everyone's thought about it um you know people reading it probably haven't experienced it but that's sort of the like it could be anything. Yeah. Could be anything. And so there's a lot of things to write about what it could be or how to deal with it or like, you know, dealing with something dramatic through art at the end of the day is, is like a big point of it for me. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Um, because it really like, you know, we, we will, we're just going to, beat this dead horse for the whole time like that is that is the point of art and like that's why um that's why like having making a platform with this focus is so important and so powerful is like you don't know like my my own experience um my own experiences as like a nerdiverse person as a 
queer person as a trans person, like, are so... There's so much of my world that is shaped by having gotten exposed to other people's narratives and, like, you know, thinking about grief, thinking about death, like, uh, right over on the shelf next to me, uh, in, in the room, the podcast room is, uh, one of my favorite books about grief ever, which is, uh, Anne Leckie's Ancillary Sword, which is like, you know, what, uh, what a fucking powerful book. And like, I didn't understand things about my own relationship to grief before reading that book. And so, like, giving, you know, each person is different and unique. And also we have, like, so many commonalities that it's really cool to be able to give voice to that. And, um, yeah, I I imagine it feels really cool for you to, to... look at a story that's published and like hear somebody say, Oh, I never knew anybody else felt that way. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It's, it's, I mean, it's kind of a comfort. It can be a comfort. Um, yeah. Or to, you know, to uh, just read about somebody going through something or processing something, even if it's not, you know, directly a death. Um, mm-hmm. Like uh, we re- recently had a, a poem that we published about someone that had transitioned and it was about the, the death of the person they were. Mm-hmm. At least that's how I kind of took it. Um, so, I mean, it's really like, you know, it's a, a good story and interesting poem, but I mean, like there's, there's the potential to really like, like change somebody or, you know, really speak to somebody on a, on a really powerful level. Yeah. Which is, cool and you know you don't want every story to be like this is a huge profound thing that you read the magazine but you know there's uh, everybody's different there's something for everybody yeah 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 and it it is this um it is always this balance of like you know uh you you can't have you could you don't want to have ice cream for every meal right like uh too much of too much of anything uh is not necessarily going to be uh great even if like every single you know i i could i could pick up a magazine that was just 10 like heartbreakingly powerful stories and i would probably only read one or two at a time mm-hmm. uh whereas like you know getting getting that balance of like there are some laugh out loud funny things and you know there are things that make you think and there are, and like you know not everything has to be for you uh and if something doesn't hit for you that's fine but like having that uh having that mix of things is really important and like knowing how to strike that balance mhm yep and and that's something i trust my editors very much to oversee mm-hmm. i i don't i'm not in the the slush inbox right. hardly ever i i just that like they understand the vision and they have done a great job carrying that out yeah yeah 
No, for sure. And that's like, that, that was something I was going to ask. Cause I know that, you know, typically that's not, uh, necessarily something that the publisher is getting into on the day-to-day uh have you worked in slushing at uh either during doing anything with the deadlands or any other uh any other markets um i was actually one of the first uh slush readers for clark's world when they hired oh wow i think this was in 2008 ish um sounds about right yeah yeah i i read i read slush with like four other people for neil clark for uh maybe a year while i was like i think i was still in college then (laughs) um it it was it was a super cool gig and you know i i was i helped out here and there with slush with shimmer uh, Mm -hmm. on their forums and they would you know put up the stories they liked and kind of it was more of a committee Model, right yeah so i got to read some of those participate here and there not not a ton though yeah. um and then when when we first opened at the deadlines i was much more in there making sure like this is the kind of stories we're looking for you know yeah um, that makes sense a, a little more hands-on but it's it's been a long time since, since yeah 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 i i really like i think this is this is advice that I heard from people occasionally, and I'd be like, okay, yeah, that sounds that sounds good, and then like, but it it's one thing to hear it, and it's another thing to actually experience it. Of like, if if you want to write, uh, it's really really valuable to read slush to see, like, to see the most like heartbreakingly beautifully amazing stories come through right next to something that honestly you roll your eyes at the first sentence and say okay no that's not for me uh or like Mm -hmm. you know i understand what the the purpose of this magazine is this is not the right fit um and like yeah getting getting to do that is very cool and very um very valuable whether or not the writing side of things is something that you stick with. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. It's, it's been, I mean, you know, on your 300th piece it, it, that, that you've read in slush, like you, you really start to see like, this is what makes a story kind of grab you. This mm-hmm. is what is like an immediate turnoff. Uh, it just starts to a- add up in a way you could really feel. Yeah. Yeah. And it also, um, you know, any amount of work you do behind the scenes really gives a lot more uh, empathy towards when you're, you know, when you're in the slush mines yourself trying to get a story published in terms of like, you know, you you quickly understand in a really concrete way that it is not personal. Mm hmm. Yeah, for for sure. I mean, we've we've turned stories away for I don't want to say stupid reasons, but like like man, we're really full. Uh, like you would have to wait, you know, fourteen months to get your story published, and that mm-hmm. feels kind of mean <laughs> to do yeah. for a writer. Um, 
and uh, so so there's stuff like that where it's like this is perfect like we would totally publish this but it's bad timing and we should probably close and that's what we did um yeah. or, or just like damn this is really good but it's not quite about death in the right way mm -hmm. so it's like rejection but damn it <laughs> yeah kind of or and, and you see it picked up somewhere else and you're like good yeah Glad yeah or even just i'm sorry i literally just bought another story that was about this same thing like i would love to publish this one i just bought another one and i can't you know yeah. we we can't do that for the same issue and you know like you said like it feels nobody likes waiting 14 months to see something show up in print mm -hmm. yep yep so it's it's you know it's one of those things that and yeah you you understand that a lot more as a writer if you kind of step into the publisher role or the, mm -hmm. if you're on a team that's doing that you know you, you kind of get, get the experience of that firsthand you're like okay when an editor says it's not quite right for us but i liked it like you 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 take that to heart instead of just being like yeah whatever yeah you should have published me <laughs> you yeah. know feeling that feeling that rejection i've definitely been there yeah yeah and like i mean i i never i still haven't sold the story that ended up being a very sad no at uh at shimmer but like i've sold stories where you know i i got rejections from charlie finley when he was at fnsf where it was like i really like this i'm sorry i can't buy it like you know here's the one thing that that just like didn't quite work for me about it which was amazing when Charlie would would give you that uh and then mm -hmm. like reading it with that lens not to say like you know you should always listen to every piece of uh feedback you get from from anybody about anything cuz you can get all sorts of conflicting stuff and it's ultimately about their own taste but like yep. when you get something like that and it's like I read that and I was like oh shit you're right and like flipped two sentences and and sold it to the next place i sent it to and i was like you know that awesome that that's the sort of thing where it's like uh having having that maturity and that like uh that awareness is really um mm -hmm. is really key so i i don't know if it came over the zoom but there was just this weird sound in the in the room in the podcast room and this blue police box showed up in here i'm wondering if we can take a step into this time machine and go back and offer some advice to young writer young publisher sean markey and by extension offer some advice to our listeners yeah i think the most important piece of advice is to just keep doing the thing mm -hmm. it sounds easy it's not it's and not. it sounds like sounds like a cop-out but it's it's the most important thing like you know if if you if you really want something like just keep doing that make it your whole thing like yeah like for me in publishing like you know i mean we 
we don't have the sales numbers of other magazines, if we don't have the award nominations or whatever, like, I fully believe that'll come because mm-hmm. we're doing great work. Um, and, and not that that's what it's all about, but it's just as a way to kind of relate between the two. But like, we're going to keep publishing issues yeah, for other reasons because we love them. And we, I expect to achieve success um, in whatever way that means just yeah. to keep doing the work. And it's the same thing with writing. Like you're not going to sell your first piece to, you know, Strange Horizons probably. Yeah. Um, you might sell your 30th or your 50th, um, but just, just keep doing it, especially if you love it. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. That's, that is like so broadly applicable across so many, uh, so many fields. Like, you know, this is a podcast about writing. So obviously we're talking about writing, but like the same thing can be said about anything else you want to do. Like, the best way to do it is to just keep doing it. And also like the hardest thing is to just keep doing it and like recognizing um, my, my Aikido sensei says the hardest part of any practice is showing up to the practice. And like, it is like sitting down in front of the, in front of the blank page or sitting down in front of, you know, edits or a half finished manuscript or anything like that or you know getting up for a run or getting out to the archery range whatever it is like getting there and and committing to it is the hardest and the most important piece uh most important part of doing the thing yep and you know there's a lot more to it like try try and get better you like you know, yeah take advice um but, but yeah just just keep showing up yep yeah there's um i don't remember the specific words for it uh but like kind of going off of that there are a couple of different words for practice in japanese uh this is something that my sensei you know brings out every once every couple of years um if, if you've had a martial arts sensei, you know that they only have a limited number of stories, and eventually they will start to loop like an NPC in a video game. <laughs> um, and we love them for it. Uh, sensei, if you're listening, I really appreciate hearing these stories because I take something new out of them every single time. But uh, there's this idea that there are... Uh, it, what it comes down to is there are multiple kinds of practice, and that you know, there is a word for practice that just means basically like repetition for the sake of repetition. And that's not when you show up to practice, that's not the practice you want to do. The practice you want to do is mindful. It's not just repetition. It is looking at what you've done and seeking the growth edges. Um, and so, like, you know, what what you just said, you're not practicing to practice, you're practicing to improve your, your, you know, every time you're sitting down at the page, like, you're doing something good by doing that. And it's great if you can sit down and say, I want to try this new thing. Um, but it's also worthwhile just to sit down at the page and, and make 15 words that you hate and throw away at the end, but like you made those words, they didn't exist before. 
Yeah. And, you know, you got to meet yourself where you're at. Sometimes 15 words is all you have to give. Yeah. For whatever reason. Yeah, exactly. And like, you know, um, that that kind of links back into what uh, what you were saying earlier about like when you reached out to Christopher Barzak, like you can't do it unless you try. And like, you know, you, you recognize like, okay, maybe he never responds. Maybe he does respond, but he says no. But like, um, there is a level of compassion in recognizing that whatever happens with that, it's going to be okay. Like that it's all part of the process. Um, yeah, yeah for sure. And and one one other thought on that. Um, yeah, please. The the the, the other thing that <clears throat> that that helped when I did reach out is we had published like twenty two or whatever issues of the Deadlands, mm -hmm. um, which was a a feat of a lot of work and a yeah. lot of effort. And and so he was familiar with us. So I wasn't just some guy. I was yeah. some guy who published this magazine that was fairly tangible and that he was already aware of. So yeah, you, know, you, you can help yourself out yeah. <laughs> as much as you can when you're doing that, that kind of you know, getting rejections when you're up, approaching a rejection like that. Yeah. Yeah. And that's, that's exactly, you know, that's exactly the thing here too, is like, I reach out to, I, I won't say all the time, but I reach out to folks and it's like, you know, now if I reach out to Tor or somewhere else, if I reach out to a publicist, I'm like, I've got over 100 episodes out now. Like, you can hear the work that I've done. And like, you know, uh, it, it feels weird sometimes to lean on like the big names that I've worked with. But it's also like, there's a part that's just like, yeah, do that. Like, mm -hmm. you're not necessarily, I appreciate every listener, no matter how many episodes they've listened to. And like, I get that some people are just going to tune in when it's like Martha Wells or Chuck Tingle or Sarah Gailey or something like that, as opposed to folks who are like, want to tune in for an author that they've never heard of before. Um, mm -hmm. And like, you know, that that's not a me problem. That's that's not even a problem. That's just a, a a feature of the audience that like some people pick up a magazine specifically because their favorite author is in there. Yeah, for sure. Um, so it you know it's it's all it's all work there, and it's all it's all stuff that can be approached and should be approached with uh, a level of intentionality and compassion. Mm -hmm. and like yeah totally and that and that knowledge of you know that it's all part of the process like you can't have an a magazine that's going 31 issues strong almost now and is going to be going into print next year uh without yep. publishing those 31 issues first like you have to put in the work mm -hmm. absolutely um, so speaking of print, 
can you talk to our listeners a little bit about some of the changes that are coming up with the Deadlands? Yep. So in 2024, starting in January, we're going to be a quarterly magazine instead of monthly. Uh, and we are going to offer a print subscription or print issues for people. Um, that, I mean, that it's, it's pretty big change on, on yep. both fronts. Um, so whereas now we have one, maybe two, uh, pieces of fiction in an issue we're probably going to have about five to six to mm-hmm. really like you know give it some meat so i mean d- doing a quarterly magazine with one <laughs> one piece of fiction might yeah. be a little uh leave people a little too hungry i think um yeah yeah th- those are the main changes yeah next year. and uh you know i i haven't seen uh physical copies of the magazine yet because they don't exist yet but i uh I'm a sucker for a print quarterly. You know, I, I supported Fireside through their entire print run on the quarterly. And, like, that is... It feels really good to have an object you can hold and to, like, you know... Mm-hmm. Not to say that there's anything wrong with publishing fiction online, because that's most of the fiction I read. But you know, having, having a thing to leaf through feels really good. So I'm, I'm really excited about that. Uh, and, uh, for folks who, whether they do want the, uh, print subscription or not, uh, you do have a Patreon. Yep. Yep. We have a Patreon. Uh, it's been a big help. I love everyone that signs up for that. Um, and the way we're changing that is, uh, you know, instead of paying a quarterly amount, like, you know, 15 bucks for this issue, like you could sign up on the Patreon, just pay the monthly amount that'll get mm-hmm. you to there. So people, hopefully it's a little easier on their wallets and we're going to try and make it worth their while with some extra goodies and uh, yeah, for, for the people paying for print. Um, we'll still have eBooks for sale through waitlist and uh everyone on the patreon list will also get uh the ebook and we'll still publish everything on the site so if you don't want to pay or you can't pay right now like that's cool like you could still read everything uh over the course of a quarter yeah yeah um and i don't know if there is another kickstarter in the works but i will make a plug for uh the deadlands has some of the best kickstarter swag out there in publishing today i have two deadlands stickers on the laptop that is the tales from the trunk workhorse nice i like to hear it yeah um i love stuff (laughs) and i love having a brand and having a having a vibe and like you know you uh, you could do a lot with the magazine, but like to expand outside of that with merch, um, mm-hmm. stickers, pens, like we've had some really cool stuff. Um, we have some for sale at store.psychopomp.com. Um, so we're moving away from Kickstarters mm-hmm. and, uh, and, and trying to like fund our stuff by like building an audience and mm-hmm. offering, print subscriptions and selling novellas and and still still producing that merch that will have right. to sale in the store fantastic 
and of course, listeners, links to all of this will be in the show notes. Uh, before we wrap up, I would love to know, um, one, if there are any stories that you would recommend uh, from any recent issues of the Deadlands that just really stood out to you. Uh, and then beyond that, if there are any things that you've been particularly enjoying in the wider media landscape, uh, whether that is music, videos, video games, you name it. Yeah, sure. Um, I'll start in reverse. I've been playing Diablo 4 oh, hell yeah. uh, a lot lately as obviously a necromancer. So <laughs> I've been enjoying... I've been enjoying my my skeleton army and uh, exploding mm-hmm. corpses and, and all that. So, um, yeah, that's been a lot of fun. Um, as far as music, I tend to like kind of the heavy rock stuff. Um, I'll, I'll, I'll leave people with one recommendation. It's been overwhelmed. Um, I really love a band called Spirit Box. Oh, nice. Um, they are kind of melodic heavy. Uh, nice. Not too much screaming, but some screaming. Um, go check out the song Ultraviolet. It's on the EP they just released. Ultraviolet. I'm going to cue that up right after this. Awesome. Yeah, I think you'll like it. Um, and then as far as far as Deadland stories, man, talk about a hard question, <laughs> like like choosing a, a, a favorite kid or something. Right. Um, yeah. I, I will say that one of the stories I love for many different reasons is Roger's story. He was in, he was the first uh, story we published. Mm, mm-hmm. a, a, a solicited story by him because we had to like, you know, kind of kick things off. Um, and, and actually that, he told me that story is the first chapter of his second book that comes out next year. Oh, so, fantastic. Yeah, just super excited about that for, for a lot of reasons. Um, it's called Peristalsis, the, the story. It's available on on the deadlands.com uh, if you search it out or ask Google. Yeah. So uh, that links story to that will be is, in the show notes. Yes, fantastic. Th- that story is very uh, meaningful to me. Um, uh, I will say, um, trying to find a way to talk about stories without, <laughs> you know, hurting anyone's feelings. I didn't talk about, but the the most. The most popular, the most uh, visited red story is mm-hmm. by uh, it's by Alex Harrow, and it's called oh, The Long yeah. Way Up. And that, I mean, he's amazing, and she has a big audience, so I, I think that has a lot to do with the, but I mean, uh, you know, everyone, it was on everybody's recommended reading list, so mm-hmm. that's, that's a super good one. Um, yeah, we've had so many Go read all of them. Yeah, <laughs> I can't. I can't choose. Just, if um, you've got a couple it, of minutes, go read some short fiction on the Deadlands. Can't recommend yeah, it highly it's, enough. It's all free. It's all free. Yeah. Um, yeah. Th- this year we published a great story by AC Wise mm-hmm. called "Death Is a Diner at 3 a.m." I think it was called. Oh um, shit! That one was so good. <laughs> yeah. So, good. so it's really hard to pick, but yeah, go yeah. read that one too. Yeah, check check them all out. There there's uh, there are no whammies in there. Yeah, yeah. Well, sure. Sean, it has been 
such a delight having you on here. Before we wrap up, where can our listeners find you? Um, well, go to psychopomp.com, thedeadlands.com. Those are our main sites. Um, mm-hmm. We are sort of sort of active on uh, Twitter. I refuse to call it X on Twitter. Right, yeah. Um, no. Under at the Deadlands and at psychopomp.com. Um, you could also find us on Blue Sky. We're very much more active there. Mm-hmm. Um, we we especially with the the Deadlands accounts. We uh, I I like to have fun and just kind of be weird and and out there. Any yep. any tweet you see that's like all lowercase and is kind of bizarre. That's me. Um, yeah, having fun. So definitely find us on social media and and that's the place where you kind of engage with us the most. Fantastic. And yeah, the uh grand grand tradition of magazines having fun Twitter personalities. I uh definitely have uh in the the fondly remembered distant past tweeted a lot with the uh Shimmer magazine badgers. Mhm. Yeah. Um yeah. Good, good stuff would recommend. Well, Sean, it has been such a pleasure having you on. Thank you so much. Yeah, it was, it was my pleasure. Thanks for having me. Absolutely. Tales from the Trunk is mixed and produced in beautiful Oakland, California. Our theme music is Paper Wings by Lillian Boyd. You can support the show on Patreon at patreon.com trunkcast. All patrons of the show now get a sticker and logo button, along with show outtakes and other content that can't be found anywhere else. You can find the show on Blue Sky at TrunkCast, and I post at HBBisniacs. If you like the show, consider taking a moment to rate and review us on your preferred podcast platform. And remember, don't self-reject. Reject.